Biju, thank you so so much for joining us today. It is such a pleasure to host you. So so excited to learn from your story. Let us jump right into the questions. And um like I said, you know, Biju, I love the mission that you stand for, which is, you know, making web3 more accessible. I feel like that is such a need. It is really not easy for an ordinary person to understand quicker. And for you guys, if you don't know, um Weju has been the initial contributor at Interface and what Interface does is making you know like if you see all the activities on Etherscan it's just like a bunch of sentences and a bunch of wallet addresses giving that a beautiful interface think of like a marriage of Twitter and Instagram um you know but something that's much more readable and digestible in a really friendly manner so i think that's amazing but um we do the biggest question i want to ask you is why do you think there's such a big gap in the web3 ecosystem like why do most of the platforms is ui and ux suck like you know web2 people's biggest blocker can be like you know they might not understand the value of these platforms um messaging is not clear people don't understand what social tokens are and i think the biggest thing for someone in the web2 space is that you know they end up connecting a wallet then entering web3 but people don't even know what metamask is they don't know how to get started so why do you think like web3's user interface sucks so much at this point mm, okay i think there is two parts to this question so one is basically is more like uh, how the industry any sort of industry evolves i would say so if we look at the evolution of uh, crypto and the industry itself we can see like three clear uh, iterations so initial one for the graphic views uh, etc is basically bitcoin and early ethereum era when you have a block explorers which basically um kind of showcase the um, basic balances and transactions and that's basically the only need they they, they needed to kind of showcase like all the minted new blocks and so on so there was n not much and then we also can look at that usually early industries sectors etc are um, built by like technicians etc so it's uh, usually serves the very basic needs and uh, the second i think iteration of the industry has been uh, the defi era of 2018 to 2020 i would say so when the new financial primitives have been spun upon in ethereum and that has spawned a lot of different interfaces and uh, analytical platforms uh, portfolios managers like uh, nansen dune uh, zapper zerion dbank and so on which basically uh, kind of solve the problem of showcasing the port, like what are your true assets, what are the various financial primitives are, and so on. So there was not much uh, to showcase apart from like raw data aggregations and charts, etc. So there was no really need. And now we're like, entering third phase when there's uh, a lot more additional sectors have been um, put on chain. And thus these uh, sectors like publishing, mirror, governance has grown tremendously. NFTs themselves represent all sort of as a being like a very basic primitive, which is just, just like um, basically a unique own, own asset, ownership asset. So those kind of things require additional means to communicate and showcase and uh, be surfaced. And that's where we see the interface kind of lies, like a third generation of uh, application, user-facing applications. But there's a lot of different pieces that basically needed to kind of conceptualize and 
to maybe to give you an example so if DeFi era we called it like a legos financial legos and all those sort of different primitives were composed together and when people were like depositing liquidity into uniswap and then uh, taking the lp tokens and putting it somewhere else so there's like a lot of different things that were kind of composed on top of each other and uh, especially like I, th I would say probably YFI token like probably one of the most uh, representative of that um, ideas of those ideas so but now we have like a lot more different pieces of uh, human activities that now puts on chain so your identity like things like ENS your social graphs uh, your activities that they, they can represent all sort of different stuff like you voting on the proposals etc so uh, yeah there's just many more legacies to be kind of built upon and uh, we're just basically trying to kind of look at what is the essence of all of these things and surface these things so it's pretty simple approach uh we look at the underlying uh, entity or activity and for what it is and what is the most important about uh, this piece of data and we take it out and make it like nice if it's a picture we show you the picture so it's like an avatar on ns if it's something else we show you what whatever it's I mean, basically you are interacting what you're generating etc for the latter uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, a lot of, another part of this uh, regarding if we could say that because I think there are lots of actually really nice platforms spawning up and uh, making yeah, things so much more usable, etc. But I think it's just the like, yeah, general evolution of the industry and uh, based on, on industry needs and people who are participating in the industry, uh, those are the kind of um, you have. Uh, when you hit like to get closer to adoption, like mass adoption, you get closer to consumer apps. When you start, you people work, uh, send transactions on Bitcoin using terminal, and they run their own nodes on the on the computers. So, and they were, like so, they have like their own world. So that's basically, yeah. I think, where we are. Amazing. What do you think is the solution? Like, do companies need to hire much more like product designers once they figured out the tech, once they figured out the processes? Is it now about building for the people? Because I remember like you published an amazing tweet that it's actually about the people first. You know, you solve people's problem, whether it is about saving time, resources and etc. And things like apps, protocols and ecosystems are just a means to achieve it. So you feel like these complicated interfaces are actually defeating the purpose of going on to help people? Mm. Yeah, I hope uh, to believe that internal ideas like of uh, Bitcoin, white paper, uh, and the internet cash, and then the Ethereum ethos and the culture of having permissionless uh, self-ownership of the like, custody of assets and uh, potentially even the censorship resistant, but time will tell if this will stick around. But those kind of things are in kind of empowering uh, the each individuals to be uh, like uh, self-governing actors within the human civilization and and how we operate so yeah then that'll be nice if we can keep up with uh, basically with this uh, set of um, goals and uh, and I think yeah uh, very intuitive interfaces are going to play a much bigger role if we were to kind of 
let everyone use so and i think we're fairly like lucky that we have already a lot of web2 great web2 platforms that kind of worked out a lot of different uh, user experiences uh, intuitive like way things basically there's basically a lot of like a uh, data knowledge that can be bootstrapped and then uh reutilized in the let's say the third generation of the web itself so that when we are proceeding to moving from apps back to protocols and so yeah i think here it's going to play a big role uh regarding like how to achieve this i think it's going to come naturally so then the like markets are going to decide ultimately i think uh which interfaces like yeah i think basically we'll see a lot of really nice projects coming up and i think there are a lot of right now in the process of uh getting shipped whether it's like a new much more readable the ether scan and uh, and so on so i think uh it's just a matter of time and there are great teams that are solving this and uh, so that by the time we have like a next, uh, let's say, um, um, what's it called, catalyst for the growth, so that uh, we will be uh, much more prepared for the uh, newcomers. Because I think a lot of platforms that have succeeded this cycle uh, were there prior to the cycle. So I think, but they kind of wrap the benefits of the let's say the in the nft pfp high uh yeah let's call it this cycle so if the previous one was icos now it will be nfts i mean 95 percent i don't know 90.7 percent of this is noise but uh through this there is basically a, uh, a lot of different people get into the uh, in the industry but most importantly very like five of like ten percent of these people who come into the industry they stick around during the bear and they're like usually the builders or their yeah. understood ideas so it's it's a similar i think to any kind of human things we do so sometimes you have an artist that manages like a musician uh, which drops a new uh, album and one of the like, like some of the album songs might be like hitting mainstream and then the, this person gets exposure but then like 95 percent 90 percent of the people who listen to the song they don't go further than researching the discography of this artist but few will actually go and dive deep what this person has been doing so this is like the, uh, just a way to kind of get on the radar and then maybe like 10 50 what i'm not sure but a lot of people will basically minority but i think uh kind of relative to this artist lots of people could then dive deep and see what this person has been up to the musician and i think the same comes for uh where we are in the, within the crypto as well but, yeah. right thank you so much for um very interestingly you gave the musician analogy which i agree to like people who are super interested do dive deep and do find the answers and stuff and um you know we recently got um we're working with Awe. we got a grant with them and for them we are building on an alternative ui basically to make it easier for like non-defi user so um i would even like love to get your feedback on you know what we're building and stuff because i feel like you have deep experience um in the ui and ux but we're not here to talk about that right now um i wanted to ask about interface there is a wallet eligibility requirement you know example having an ENS avatar, um, 
participating in protocol or having 75% transactions, etc. So I'd love to know your reason on gating the app. Mm. Also, just to add on the UI UX, so everything that is designed within interface is done by Anna Anushka.eth. So she's like the responsible behind everything, all the beautiful stuff we see. And um, so shout out to her. And regarding to your question, how we see is that uh, we're solving two problems here. So we are in a private beta because of the, the uh, we're still preparing the main infrastructure and like the next iteration of the app. So we're not public yet. So we are scaling linearly here, and this we control what what people like kind of get on board etc so here why we do so is because uh, each new user for us is uh, like a passive signal uh, what uh, they have been interacting with what contracts uh, what things because we need to kind of uh, go out see what kind of things this person has worked with uh, maybe used and so on so that we can label it accordingly decode it and so on and this only scales uh, initially fairly linearly and thus we don't want to give up the control of the onboarding process so this is for us is just like a way to control how we scale uh, so the growth wise so that we can um, along with all the newcomers uh, uh, make the user experience nice and smooth and the other part is that uh, we will gradually lower and lower the criteria and keep adding new um, how do you call it uh, eligibility areas so we'll do a lens integration and then we will let anyone who has a lens profile get the access to the application later this month and so on so here uh, we'll be gradually adding new communities, new criterias, uh, lowering and onboarding more and more people because we are not like a, in a traditional way a social platform. Let's say how like if we compare to Lens or Farcast or Twitter where people uh, generate uh, open-ended, like fairly open-ended content, uh, but all the content that people are interacting with interface is already like pre-generated. We just basically index, decode it, label it really nicely and may make it very intuitive to kind of follow each other and so on. So we have this basic mechanic basically, which is following. And uh, we don't want to onboard, uh, like let bots uh, farm f um, followings because we don't yeah. have yet built in the layer to mitigate this. So we are only onboarding genuine humans. Uh, and for us, on-chain data is like one of the easiest signals, uh, like let's say proofs of uh, human behind it. Because as what, to, for example, Elon right now is trying to solve with uh, um, with Twitter is by basically paying, making uh, like a per eight dollar fee per month, and this is basically introduces cost to kind of uh, prioritize those that content creators and users that are paying versus those who might be bots or have not basically subscribed so this is just solving the same problem but in our case if we look at our criteria you need the 75 transactions maybe like ens domain plus ens avatar and that's probably like one of the easiest it's basically will cost you like 80 dollars to create uh, this bot so it's basically we're solving the same problem but uh, in uh, leveraging the existing um, data from chain, etc., because we like 
well, I've basically working in the indexing uh, all the on-chain data because it's uh, there's so many infinite ways uh, how to surface different products and experiences uh, based of the interactions that are happening on chain. And I think we haven't even begun scratching. And this is like the beautiful potential of the public blockchains in general to this permissionless nature of uh, builders uh, kind of tapping into this data, indexing whatever they like, like and building all sorts of different really cool like toolings, experiences, etc., without having like a, a centralized governing body that let's say gives you an API key or something to get access to the data. Everyone can access it. It's just a matter of like having the knowledge, resources, uh, like maybe skills and so on. But uh, right. I think that's the beauty. Yeah. Um, on what basis did you decide on the gating? Because some of them seem super specific. Like how do you decide the parameters? Like, oh, it needs to be 75%, 75 plus transactions. It has to be an ENS domain. It has to be an avatar. Like what made you come on to those parameters for gating? Good question. Thank you. So initially, the idea was we had the first gating through central, basically form. People could they can still apply for the form if they don't fit the criteria. So idea we had like over four thousand applications, and we were going there hand by hand uh, through the um, all the applications. But usually, what we were doing is basically we were looking for some sort of uh, activity on chain and like. Having an ENS, it was a very easy signal for us. Like mm. having like hundred transactions, etc., was very easy for us to kind of see that okay, this is a human being there. So we immediately whitelisted. So basically, it's partially automating what we were doing by hand, and mm. secondly, how we see is that for ENS specific uh, criteria, having a, a resolved ENS domain. Uh, and also having an avatar set on ENS. It's us uh, driving adoption for the ENS protocol so that people have custody of, of their own uh, domains and names and identities so that we are basically driving adoption for such protocols from our side, from like the, the application layer side. And uh, yeah, we even lever like entire, if you go to the interface, all the, prof all the wallets, the, we're using like the, uh, all the, it's basically, all the avatars come from ENS, so all their names come from ENS. So this is like for us to leverage instead of building your building like uploading or storing your avatars. We're just encouraging people to use ENS. So that's like the idea. And for other criteria, uh, yeah, seventy-five. If maybe we'll be keep lowering this, but I think it's just a nice way to start because there are lots of bots uh, that are in the range between like. Uh, basically up to like 100 transactions basically it's usually like 20 to 80 i think from what i saw that are basically farming all sorts of different uh obvious airdrops so they're like just doing very basic interactions yeah. with uh, each protocols and so those are not very genuine humans uh, so we yeah interesting a mix of criteria is kind of filters out the Plus, we promote the pr uh, protocols and uh, adoption of uh, decentralized identity systems. So that's basically the idea. That's amazing. Oh, and also, we have a Farcast. Sorry to interrupt. We, are, no, no. we in, if you have a Farcast account, you can you get access to the application because a Farcast does uh, hand picking. So they are doing the diligence for every single user. Can you uh, uh, pronounce how is that spelled? Leverage. Farcaster. Uh, F R F A R C A S T E R. Oh, Farcaster, got it. 
Yes, so it's like a competition to lens, but a fairly client oriented driven approach. And they're basically onboarding uh, by hand every single person. And they have like 5,000 users, I think, right now. And uh, we know their mechanics, so we can basically, like, we saw all the people that have been onboarded, they were like general humans, and we just literally uh, leveraged their due diligence expertise there and um, also introduced some value for the people that uh, use Farcaster because we index Farcaster social graphs. So when you come from Farcaster to interface, we can showcase all your friends that you have followed there and then refollow them on the interface so that you can also see what they're doing. Not only what they're posting on Farcast, which is basically like a tweet decentralized protocol uh, Twitter, but protocolized Twitter approach, but also see what these people are doing on chain. So it's like a perfect synergy between the two platforms and not a protocol and a platform. Perfect. Interface and Farcast. Thank you so much for taking us through that. And why did you guys choose to specifically work around Ethereum? Like, why not Solana? Why not any other blockchain? Mm -hmm. So. We are basically proceeding with where uh, real humans are, so we're trying to solve for the what like for the people, and I think Ethereum still has like the um, relatively majority of um, mm, web three people culture wide. Yeah, not just web three people, but all the innovation, all the new stuff uh, usually is is basically gets created on the interface. Oh, on interface. Oh, sorry, on, on Ethereum. Ethereum. Yes. Yeah. So. We will be scaling uh, to L2, sir, I think, uh, soon. Uh, first, I think, will be Optimism. Uh, Optimism because uh, they have a uh, mirror publication. Uh, and we believe that there is basically a very nice... Uh, there is basically a real content being generated and a lot of value we can add to the community mm -hmm. of writers there by letting all the publishers um, connect to, with their audiences and audience you know, stay updated with the publishers and vice versa. So basically, uh, I think we could really provide a lot of um, value for this sector vertical. And so basically how we, in our decision, like operation design decision, etc., prioritization, we are always looking at uh, what, like what are the human interactions? What are, so when we were beginning, a lot there were back then like in february this year uh like nft was blowing up so like continuously blowing up so there were like a lot of uh, nft platforms to kind of serve the need to for the very quick uh, basically flippers uh, traders etc so for us we didn't even consider it to start with this vertical because like, nft specifics because we believe this was like a short term unsustainable non very not not very general uh, kind of set of activities i mean there is basically uh, there is a niche for the nfts and we don't believe nfts themselves are a vertical of their own because you can say there maybe collectibles are, or but NFTs they can be all sort of different, and it's just a like a base, a base primitive that could be representing all sorts of different things. It could be your tickets, it could be your ownership yeah. of the company, it could be your friends, it could be your connections, it could be some content, etc. So we are looking not at the things that are, let's say, uh, yeah, as I just described like in the previous cycles of NFTs, but we're looking at what people are actually doing. And in this case, like governance or, yeah, or mirror publication makes a lot more sense. A hundred percent. 
Amazing. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. I think uh, the next couple of questions I'd like to touch upon is contribution. You know, you have worked as a contributor at Juicebox, at Gitcoin and at Uniswap. And you didn't come initially from a tech background and went on to teach yourself everything. So what was the biggest challenge that you face as a contributor that you'd say like still persists? Interesting. Uh, biggest challenge is a contribute. So yeah, I think what you described is a pretty like long journey since like 2017. So I, I initially started like doing a very small Gitcoin bounties on Gitcoin. And that was like contributing little pieces of code as I was learning. Uh, and the only reason I got into technical is to participate in, in Ethereum and so on. And this is in this like how I see a human civilizational shift of how people interact. But uh, regarding um, the challenges that I faced, I think over time there are various ones. And I think interface, we are trying to address a lot of the ones that we kind of experienced is that it's information asymmetry is being dispersed and scattered all over the place. It's accessibility. So those kind of things that we're uh, trying to solve and they're partially help should be much more, making much more usable uh, friendly to kind of participate in DAOs, etc. So you can go to multisig safe and see what multisig signers, what they've been doing and so on. So you can kind of do a very basic due diligence on uh, on delegates, what they're voting for and, and what kind of things, like how the funds are get redistributed and so on. So just from the interface itself. So here, maybe this helps a little bit, but regarding is a, I think actually, uh, I'm not sure what would be the biggest challenge, but I think uh, for uh, from people outside of the industry, I might guess that the biggest challenge is just to understand the ethos of the uh, open-ended nature of these protocols and DAOs, etc. Is that like you can just go to Discord or go to the governance forum and go to the GitHub repositories or go or do analytics, etc. Whatever uh, is of interest for you for this protocol, you can just begin tapping and tipping your toes and see what's there, what's missing, how you can apply, uh, how you can help. For example, a lot of my contributions were like writing Dune analytics, not a lot, but few, I would say. And they were driven by me just trying to understand what was like the financials with it for this specific protocol. So I would like to build like, so that way I learned a little bit SQL query, etc., and uh, and so on. And for the Uniso, for example, I kept missing various, um, how do you call it, uh, governance proposals. And this is just part of the information asymmetry being dispersed everywhere. So uh, the idea was basically to kind of uh, right, start creating Uniswap letters so that uh, one person makes an effort and everyone else reap benefits of just staying updated with everything happening there. That's Very amazing. basic way to solve. But I think the biggest challenge would be is just to understand this, that there is there are such things, platforms like that protocols that are fairly open-ended that you can just tap in and mm. uh, and start contributing like and without even like without having like, I don't know depending yeah just look around what's like what I discord disc, discord etc so I think yeah. a lot of things you can just build and then maybe you will get even rewarded even like I would say in general uh, not just because like I in like uh, how to say as a user of the all the protocols 
you you get a, like ENS airdrops, you get uh, Uniswap airdrops, uh, air Optimism, and so on, Gitcoin. And then, like, yeah, I got Gitcoin airdrop because I was contributing back in 2017, 18. People were getting Gitcoin because they were donating to grants, etc. So there's being just like, yeah, using things, uh, not just farming, but actually trying to kind of uh, be true to whatever like yeah i think it's really benefiting so this itself is a contribution i, I think if you swap on uniswap in back when it was like early it's you you were early user you drove the volume maybe you provide some liquidity so they air distributed part of that protocol capital cap to you as well to the members i think there's all sort of different contributions that people can write memes and it's just, I think, yes. a matter of uh, understanding uh, what's, uh, where are your interests lie and who can you can, uh, where you can apply this interest, skills, and so on. Because I think yeah. it's just whatever you can think of, there is basically whatever activity you can think of. Uh, I don't know, making memes, uh, right, designing pops, uh, setting up community calls, podcasts, um, I don't know, even like uh, transcripting. Uh, calls and I don't know, writing queries, coding, uh, doing governance proposals. Yeah, there's so much and yeah, just, yeah. But I think the biggest challenge, sorry, took too long to answer, but yeah, it just. No, uh, I get it. Um, I think the reason I was asking that is when as a contributor, you first of all, the problem is discovery. How do you discover what DAO you want to contribute to? Then is you joining a Discord server and then Discord is messy, right? Like for every, um, every community, every DAO, the Discord looks different, right? So even if you get familiar with one, you have to educate yourself about the next one. Um, but I feel like it's amazing that you acted as a contributor. And like you said, for anything one can think of, there's always work to do. There's always bounties to do. So be curious. And at this point, like in this early stage, you just have to go ahead and figure it out, right? Um, I think one thing that's really nice, which I'm observing in a lot of like amazing DAOs, the community managers are super active. So even if you feel lost, just go on the channel chat and express, you know, like, hey guys, I'm super into music and this music DAO. Like, how is it that I should get started? What should be my first step? And I feel like that's what Web3 is so community driven. Everyone is so, so down to help you. But I feel like that initial process of just getting started has been um, something. And I think we as a DAO tooling company, I feel like that's why we talk a lot about like what are pain points people facing so that we can build tools on top of it. And I feel like today I was just discussing with someone that they were like, oh my God, you know, I want to work as a community manager, but I don't know where to get started. Um, I don't know which DAO to participate in. And that's why, you know, we've been working on a discovery tool so that you can discover what all DAOs are there. And when you discover it, there's also a section about how to join because I feel like these are actual challenges people face, right? Like you said, in some places you'll have to buy a token to get started and some places you can just, you know, without anything, you know, you can just hop on a Discord server and get started. So, um, I feel that's amazing. But I would like to ask you, like, you know, you work if not... I... Sorry? Sorry. If I were to, like, if I'm eligible to give any advice, I would just Means. also <laughs> just suggest to... I'm not sure if I have this... But basically, I would suggest to venture into the DAOs that are of interest to you. So if this something, mm. if you're interested in financial primitive etc you started researching this redox etc so depending like 
uh, yeah, it should come from what are your interests are. So Absolutely. you should like you should be curious about this specific project or what they have built the product, etc. And then I think everything else comes. This is I. It's like a personal uh, reflection because I always like when I learn the code and etc. I would always build things uh, to to learn new technology. I would uh, basically pretend that I'm building like a startup or something like this, something yeah. that I was like uh, interested. Like so that would be like um, um, like yeah, how to say. It? additional motivation so i was building something exciting that i thought was pretty cool and yeah, along sure. the way also getting to like learn and so on without a doubt i couldn't agree more like if you're not working towards something that you're interested in very soon it'll get super boring and you will like you know just drop off when things get tough i think it's the passion and the curiosity that you know push the needle um where logic doesn't play out so definitely um i feel like the best way to get started is joining in things you're interested in and props to you. I know that you were working on the news um, letter with Uniswap on a bi-weekly basis, but I didn't know why. And now that you just mentioned the reason that the fact that you were not able to keep up with, you know, when their governance is, when you know what's going on in the ecosystem, you decided to write newsletters about it just to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Um, I think that is phenomenal, phenomenal work on your end. And the fact that you were from a non-technical background and you were still learning how to be a contributor, you participated in like Uniswap, which is a protocol. So I wanted to ask you, like, what are some other ways in which you can contribute in a DeFi? Because people are like, it's easy to contribute to a social DAO, to a community DAO, but it's tough to contribute to like a protocol. So um, what would be some of your suggestions for people who are new in the space? Mm, I don't think there's any like, as I said, there is have great uh, they have no foundation back then it was the use of grants program i think most of the big uh, and medium-sized protocols they have these grants and so on and they all uh, every doesn't matter what you are building uh, where like a super complex uh, AM, mmm uh, like with the ranges etc like a pretty like a complex set of financial primitives all of them needs to be kind of communicated uh, so the memes can help so i think yes it's just also maybe just a matter of uh, understanding the structure of the the specific uh, organization or project or who are the people who to reach out i would also say uh, from personal i think it makes a lot more sense to kind of begin uh, i prefer to kind of first try to do something like rather than like research at least uh, find uh, instead of like trying to get somebody attention and ask like how can I help I think very useful is to kind of actually identify what is uh, kind of uh, what is missing uh, mm -hmm. but there is also like over there are some projects have this request for uh, uh, what's it called a request for basically there's things that they need and they're just looking for somebody to execute it yeah. so but then I think there's also if you're just uh, researching you can then uh, discover a lot of things within like what could be where could you apply your skills knowledge etc without like going directly to kind of but I think it's just like everyone behaves and communicates differently. I prefer to kind of yeah. try to do a little bit prior before pinging anyone so that I at least have, uh, yeah, and I think not that's, waste uh, anyone's time. Yeah, I think that's one of the smartest way to do it, right? Identify a gap and go with the solution. Um, I think that's one of the best ways to actually get a response. Um, 
so you were working as a contributor but i'd love to ask you vichu is what do you think is the best way to incentivize people um i feel like money giveaways even nfts at this point um can trigger bad behavior in a community you know like spamming and doing this and that so i feel like i often ask myself this question like people who are active in my community people are really contributing like how is it that i can truly incentivize them like um how are you getting compensated in like different places whether it was juice box gitcoin or uniswap and various way so yeah i would say in the broader spectrum uh how to incentivize would say the beauty of the dao approach and so on is uh, sharing ownership so i think that's like if it's it's financial and it's very value uh, driven approach but i think uh, having ownership how i see it basically i think i tweeted like a few years ago is basically sometimes like i would buy a token uh, let's say like i think i bought juice box Uh, like a 0.2 eth worth of juice box a year ago or something and then i started i bought it first and then i started learning what that what did i just buy and then because i had ownership i actually purchased this asset i was like okay how do i make my asset worth more and then mm-hmm. i will be uh, researching how i could maybe uh, yeah and i built like a do analytics query for juice box for this specific so that because i already like when i was researching what did i buy i was like okay i don't know specifics like what are the protocol revenue success so i was like okay i'm going to build uh, this doing that showcases the uh that the juicebox revenues so that everyone can else can then see that the they generate a lot of revenue and then what i just bought would also like uh, uh get uh, a value appreciated because new people will get discovered so this is like a, a one approach obviously like uh everyone is coming from different backgrounds people so there's you don't need to do like financial uh, prior like investment prior to this but i think having yeah. ownership is just it's yeah, it makes more sense because you are all you are you are like naturally incentivized and i think here it's not nice to have that in the industry we have this tendency that uh, distributions are fairly uh how to say dispersed among the con- communities that they are foundations so relatively so if you compare to the structure of the f- startups when there's usually like much bigger chunk comes to early founders then there's mm-hmm. investors and then there's also maybe like some sort of allocation for the uh team over like long term in within like the option yeah. so it's but the i think the the whole structure has been like uh going like this basically redistributing to broader set of stakeholders of the protocol token etc relatively to companies right and um, because you have a lot of yeah participants and uh i think but also how uh, the distribution mechanics in itself is very i think it's uh, you cannot i think industry uh, we cannot uh, uh cop- like you have to come up with every time with a new distribution mechanic because once you do a distribution mechanics it kills it gets farmed so it's if you would like to distribute among uh, real people that are like it's going to hold or they believe you have to innovate so let's say uniswap just like when they they dropped uni based on usage of the protocol they killed every single uh, unis uh, like nobody can now distribute based on pure uh uh because yeah on the usage i mean so that's why like successful distribution airdrops were like that introduced. means that you couldn't trade uniswap tokens for money sorry 
that meaning? No, no, you can. Oh no, no. I mean that uh, once you execute a distribution mechanic, like for airdrop, mm -hmm. uh, people then become becoming using this as a strategy to farm others, and then so if you're just uh, if you're a protocol that would like to distribute your tokens among the stakeholders that are incentivized, they're real contributors, uh, they're real, real users, etc. You cannot now copy just. Uh, Uniswap model of distribution, or let's say uh, some other model of distribution, because it's farmable, right? So it's like obvious. If you use, you become uh, uh, some sort of token one. So you have to come up with different ways to. Uh, if you are, if you you want to basically distribute among the people uh, or contributors, not the farmers, because I mean, farmers they they might play the role. Maybe they're gonna drive a little bit extra volume or usage, etc. Early on, so with expectation to get the airdrops. Mm -hmm. I think there I heard that like third of the volume of MetaMask's router is just like, or maybe two thirds is just like a bunch of whales uh, trading for the future Musk token, MetaMask token. So, I mean, for MetaMask, it's probably nice to showcase the investors that they have like this volume. But this is something like, I'm not sure this was specifically your question. No, um, I think it makes sense, right? Incentivize basically is mean like how can you deliver value to other people? And I feel like ownership is definitely one of the ways. Um, we spoke about that, you know, right now. What be Sorry? Sorry, to that. Be transparent, I think it helps. And mm. uh, yeah, uh, be able, uh, try to create value. Things that people want or helps people, etc. Uh, so not yeah. some... Yeah, I think that's the, but that's not just to, for the incentivization. It's in general terms. If you build, people come because they're interested in something that you are building. Maybe we'll see. Definitely, I feel like whenever you're delivering value like that, it just automatically attracts people and makes them, you know, gravitate towards you, um, without a doubt. Um, you know, I feel like what Interface is doing and Web3 in general, right? Like it's all about making things transparent. It's all about accessibility. Um, and what Interface is doing today is making all of those transactions and interactions with wallet much more like easily readable and accessible. But I feel like the debate here is that, you know, Web3 enables all on-chain activity to be public and um, right now Web3 requires you to give up your privacy entirely but I feel like I'd love to know your thoughts on the dangers of like letting out this privacy on Web3 right like should all info really really be accessible um, what is your thought on it uh, yeah for sure they should not be uh, but uh, when we are talking about the public blockchains and the nature of public blockchains, I think uh, uh, there is a lot of different benefits for the transparency. If you look at the, like, let's say the collapse of all the three hours capital, uh, Celsius, uh, etc. Those who were during life cycle, they like turned out to be uh, like under collateralized, etc. Over, um, yeah, basically got buried in their own debt because they were closed system and there was like for example die is open-end system everyone can see everyone can kind of uh in maker dial i mean so everyone can like uh let's say if you are under collateralist uh, buy out your uh, uh your collateral etc so i think 
those things are beautiful, like having open uh, like financial system, um, transparent, so everyone can keep an eye on each other because it's uh, super important. But then obviously things like having privacy on your own balances or maybe being able to privately share, send some transactions to your friends or family, etc. Or being be able to purchase things so that it's not all on, encoded on chain. So when you buy something so that it doesn't then get like, uh, uh, yeah, mined by advertisers, etc., to build that. So I think here it's, uh, we will move, like as we evolve with uh, like a pro privacy enabled uh, L2s, etc. we'll have a lot more interesting stuff. And I think a lot of human interactions should be private. So like wallet to wallet messaging should be encoded and nobody should be able to get access to this, etc. And some of the transactions, but I think a lot of systems benefit from transparency. Uh, uh, when there's basically, basically yeah, there's certain pieces like your reputation if you would like to build an online or just like your, your reputation as a protocol etc it benefits us from being like a fully transparent because people see what you have been doing what you have contributing to etc because you're like now having this like a virtual on-chain uh, footprint of your or whatever like your pseudonymous or yourself so I think that's pretty nice uh, so I think there's we should be cautious what it should be uh, like transparent and publicly available and what things shouldn't and I think we'll see a lot more things that will venture into privacy enabled uh, how say communication uh, transactions interactions etc yeah. and also one thing I would add uh, to this is like I personally love the nature of pseudo anonymous culture is that mm. Uh, it is. I think it's a very uh, how do you say? Not liberty. It's like a leveling playing. Yeah, liberty. Not sure. Not liberty. Um, leveling leveling the playing field because we are canceling all the different prejudices. So if you're like some people might be. Uh, like I don't know, have prejudice on race, on uh, on gender, on age, etc. And then when you hide them, you kind of like a pseudonymous. You could be a kid, a twelve years old mm -hmm. kid, who just build a primitive, and but you are just yeah. But then it's just like people would never think that yeah. So it's just I think it's very liberating because. Um, yeah. But this is more from the culture perspective. I think it's nice because it's levels the playing field so that uh, yeah it kills this prejudice it, it, it's some i think sometimes it happens unintentionally by the people because whatever the cultures they're growing into it might be but i think this you are just hide, like not hiding but uh, you're like your interface to the outside world your reputation is around like some sort of pfp project but you have contributed you have proven records of delivering etc this what things what really matters uh, then which, why should you be like i don't know uh, disincentivized because of your uh, nationality gender etc or whatever but i think this is also very nice to have uh, this kind of culture of uh, pseudo anonymous or anonymous even but pseudo is mean like yeah you, you don't read yeah. yeah i think pseudo I think, um, you know, Balaji just had a podcast with Lex, um, about an eight hour long podcast and there he was talking about the pseudo economy and he said the most amazing thing about it is that you, it really does, uh, you know, level the playing field that you are not able to have any biases on because you don't know where 
you know you don't know people's gender you don't know their nationality you don't know their accent because you're chatting with them um you know so many different things you know with age and everything so i think that's really really amazing and like you said there are definite pros of having things so transparent in web3 yet there are definitely things where privacy should be maintained you know like wallet to wallet messaging and stuff like that and i feel like we'll see this become more like privacy become more and more sophisticated but what it means for web3 at this point um we do with this um towards the end we do this really fun exercise which is called uh tech stack so basically i'd love for you to rate your top three dow tools and roast three dow tools so i'm just gonna share the screen okay so if yep. you had to rate your top three favorite dow tools um rate them in order okay so i love ens identity so i think that's uh that's a good one uh i also you can tell everyone what heading they're under because it might be difficult to track identity identity perfect yeah so actually bright idea was pretty cool idea i feel like uh, to kind of prove uh, and have a cause but uh, yeah uh, i think um for communication wise and knowledge management i we use a lot of notion because we used to but i really love uh, any type and i think any type is going to blow but i need to it's much bigger learning curve so but it lets you kind of define it's like one layer above a notion regarding abstraction and you can define your own type so it's like you can really build a very powerful um, like how to say nodes knowledge based systems etc nodes etc so maybe obsidian is a little bit complex for me but i think any type is going to be like i just need to kind of make additional effort to make it the default uh, knowledge base uh, acquisition system for myself and maybe it could be then utilized so i think gnosis safe i is for now still like one of the core enabling pieces of infrastructure of that is composed up on top of um, many many different ways yeah and obviously i'm a bit biased uh, but i think uh, juicebox is a very nice uh, oh i would say i actually love juicebox not for the treasury management protocol itself but rather the, the network of different DAOs got kind of uh building uh, an ecosystem uh, so i think if they manage to hit this network effect of all the different uh DAOs and apps uh, leveraging different capabilities like doing podcast uh, uh designing 3d pieces in various metaverse places and uh doing a lot of DAOing proposals so i think that's a very nice approach uh okay. content product oh, yeah, mirror like... and radical and figma is nice oh, i mean radical still yet to learn but mirror figma github is basically without which which ones we wouldn't leave <laughs> okay right. um now you have to roast three tools like what are the worst three tools and why okay i don't want to be the okay actually i think it's not the worst but i think aragorn uh the guy that oh, where is, is it uh, Colin in Aragon, basically, they were back in 2017-18 at the DAO Toolings Frameworks, top left corner. So those two are the era of the early, fairly early, like previous cycle ideas of um, how the DAOs should be structured. And I think both of them kind of went the, the way to kind of serve the problem, uh, not the problem, but uh, 
not actual needs, but they keep building features and building this entire frameworks and set of things. And that turned out like once the DAOs actually came to be to existence, all they needed is like a multisig and as a, and a snapshot or something like this and a tally. So I think those kind of two things like Colony Aragon, they are just a misfortune of having a lot of kind of ideas, but no real user feedback or usage. So they were in. Not, they didn't have this loop to kind of reflect and build, fine tune. Uh, yeah. Next yeah, so one those, would be okay. So uh, Colony Aragon. Okay, two. I think then one. Yeah, <laughs> but they're all the same. So I mean, like in the same regard, they have the same problem. I would say, uh, though, I love Gitcoin for what they're doing with, uh, let's say, public goods and. Uh, but you DAO, can't but tell us I what you love. You have to roast the two. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I'm going to roast it because uh, <laughs> okay. Gitcoin is. I love what they're doing with the. Uh, public goods and grants, but I would say the interface, the UI hasn't moved a lot for a while now. So I think it's sometimes it's very painful. To, I haven't donated a lot because that often because it's just, it's a pain for me to discover projects, etc. It's like, instead of having, yeah, it's like making effort to use it. So it's like you mm -hmm. have to overstep instead of, it should be pretty frictionless. So it's, yeah. I hope they can uh, evolve and improve that. I think so. Maybe I think for roasting that should be okay. Next, be good. <laughs> there is a question in chat as well. Yes, we will take up the question right after the activity. Ah, uh, what do we need to roast another one? Uh so yeah, you chose Argon, Gitcoin, and perfect. actually, I would say then we can roast Collabland. They started early, but uh, they <laughs> sure evolved, so them. we can yeah. Okay, done. Collabland, great. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for doing this. Um, this was so much fun. And um, let's hop on to the community question. Um, Wiju, would you like to read it? Yeah, sure. So the question is, while building interface, what are the sources where are you pulling the data from? Are there insights, are the insights pulled only from non-chain or off-chain sources as well? Could you share some sources if off-chain sources are used as well? And if only if your company data privacy allows you to share. Okay, so uh, we're basically getting all the data raw from uh, the node itself. So it's all on-chain data, and we're then like indexing, aggregating, processing depending on what we're working with. So if it's an NFT, we fetch like uh, the all the metadata, etc. So we kind of have all these different decoders, parsers, and processors. And uh, for from on-chain data, for now we're focusing on on-chain. Uh, basically, we are thinking we're gonna be thinking to basically integrate things like snapshot, which are partially like they're stored off chain, etc. But I think uh, it will be a time by the time we get there, we'll decide. And basically, that's like all on chain data. I think for yeah, we're just basically we work well, and then we process and make it like much more attractive. <laughs> okay, thank you so, so much for taking up that. And Viju, um, while building interface, if I had to give you $1 million to solve your biggest problem currently, what would that problem be? Like something that's keeping you awake at night. Yeah, but I'm not sure money solves this. The things that keep me awake at night. Uh, mine doesn't solve it. I need to. But what is that problem? We give you that. <laughs> yeah, I think in general, it's uh, 
conceptualization of how to make sense of all the things that are happening on decentralized how to correctly uh, without losing beautiful things of web3 abstract the complexities and uh, within decentralized systems without sacrificing the custody and so on permissionless nature but then you also have uh, don't at the same time don't sacrifice the experience of the like let's say web 2 platform so leveraging those two things uh where yeah how to i think it's a constant um like uh inner and outer team internal team discussions yeah how to approach solve problems yeah so i think that's like one continu endless continuous uh, challenges it's basically I feel like everyone's going through it, right? Like being able to identify what are the right problems to solve for. And you know, when I was going through your app, <clears throat> I feel like the one of the really valuable and interesting things maybe you guys could do is in terms of knowledge management, because you're collecting so much data on what these wallets are doing and tracking the activities. Uh, we just hosted Gab, uh, Roxane from Gavin Dow, you know, she one of the core contributors and handles growth there. And she spoke about that one of the biggest pain points for her is knowledge management, you know, in terms of if she wants to share some information only with the contributors, only with the community versus some conversation, some information only with people who are just there to chill and hang out in the Discord server. Like, how do you do that knowledge management? And I feel like with all the activity tracking of wallets that you're doing, you will truly be able to like, you know, segregate people like, oh, these people have been contributing to the top DAOs and these are the number of transactions they've had. They sit on the elite list of contributors versus these guys on the mid level versus these guys are complete beginners. So I feel like that's something super, super interesting you can do. And, um, you know, we at Dowlands ourselves, um, one of the next products we're building and working on is to gather insights from, because we handle onboarding, we're able to gather so much data on users um, that we're able to understand, oh, like how many what is the percentage of people who are interested in football? What is the percentage of people who are interested in cats? Based on people's on-chain wallet activities and be able to share those insights with community managers so that we can tell them like, oh, 30% of the people are into NFTs. Why don't you share a meme related to it and stuff like that? So I feel like um, I'm just speaking at my luxury, but um, I feel like something like interface can be a super like interesting marriage and a very interesting ingredient to have in that project of ours. So I feel like you guys are solving a bunch of amazing problems and you can really, really grow on it. So uh, what you touched, I think the more specifics, like uh, there are platforms like Diggin, Score, Anooks that are basically trying to, and other identity-based platforms like Arc, Express, Protector, that are kind of index uh, and concept, uh, how to say, index activities, assets, etc., and distill them into a single asset, like, uh, let's say, reference, NFT points, etc. So that, let's say you, and so on. So that's, I think, their focus. Uh, we are basically, how we're seeing, we're building an experience to, we're trying to solve not just accessibility, but discoverability. So we're building interface in the, in the manner of, so basically how we see it is like a fabric to navigate the, in this, the space. So we're taking all the different pieces like pops, saves, uh, collections, NFTs, and trying to, even like for the NFTs itself, you cannot just showcase the NFTs like it doesn't make sense to show showcase NFT because some NFTs reflect the community. So it will make more sense for you to kind of showcase and like that you participate in this community, etc. So each of the specifics, I think we're still fairly early. And even though we have ourselves like showcased all your NFTs, but I think 
within that we need to look and uh, categorize each of these different things what they are actually represent so that we can then showcase the what it is i think a good example would be your domain ens domain uh, for it doesn't really make sense to showcase like the default placeholder etc it makes more sense to showcase like just any other nft it will make more sense to showcase that your this thing is about to expire or this is like the domain name etc so this data should be surfaced for this specific nft and that's there are many different others like uniswap v3 are financial primitives that should be put like on DeFi platforms should be showcased there and i think there are lots of different things that are just uh, leveraging the NFT standard, but uh, can be in itself. Also, also different things. Interesting. Well, um, all the best to you for what you're building. I love, love the mission that you guys are working on is making Web3 much more readable. And I think you're also doing it in a beautiful fashion. Your um, website's amazing. I love your servers, emoji. I really joined servers to use emojis and stuff. And um, even your NFT particle is very, very beautifully curated. So um, I feel like the, lots of those things are associated with like feeling good and making it much more friendly and stuff like that so great job on that we do any 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 ending thoughts yeah thanks so much so everything you just said is basically like all design website etc it's uh, all work of anashka so maybe you should guys also invite her <laughs> i will please make an introduction yeah. i'd love to speak with her i think she's phenomenally talented yeah so uh, but uh, final words, I would say if this was the theme of contributing, etc. I think it generally, uh, and there's uh, the, let's say, bear markets when there is no easy cash or whatever, like everything get uh, distracted, etc. I think it's a nice uh, time to see, to build, to learn, to kind of excel. So I think uh, it's, uh, yeah, much is, I think, not yeah just yeah it's a good time to kind of learn and build participate because uh, usually when there's like the the people who are for the just for the financials not the let's say culture ideas etc they get washed away pretty quickly and uh, usually people who actually care about stuff they stick around and then from this you can leverage most of the knowledge and experience and maybe help so it's a very good time to build right now. So if that's my final word. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Riju. It's such a pleasure to host you. Thank you so much for being so transparent and sharing so many amazing insights. Um, absolutely rooting for you. And thank you so much for everyone who's joined the Discord space. I hope you guys loved the episode. Please be in tune. I believe you're hosting someone Thursday or Friday. I'm not sure. But we are going to populate all our events that were happening this month. So um, keep in touch for that. Thank you, everyone, so, so much for joining. Sorry.